Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Sidebar with Cindy. On Kaya FM 95.9. FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. Sidebar Cindy with me, Dr. Cindy Siwe Fansale. And this evening, I'm asking, how do you cope living with schizophrenia? Medical issues, sex and family. Finance, parenting and emotional development. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Kaya FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. Welcome to Sidebot Cindy with me, Dr. Cindy Siwe Fansale. This evening we're discussing mental health and we'll be specifically speaking about schizophrenia. I think schizophrenia is one of the most misunderstood mental disorders and it's important for us to chat about it and I'm very happy to have Dr. Gwen Tonyan in studio with me. She's a psychiatrist and we'll be, we'll be unpacking this mental condition. We'll be taking your calls on 86 You can SMS us on 36959 and the hashtag to use on social media as Sidebot Cindy and Kaya FM Talk. So before I start taking your calls, I'd like to welcome Dr. Gwen Dunyane to, to Kaya FM. Oh, thank you. Okay, Dr. Gwen. So you're a psychiatrist and um, um, so you know, just, just let's, let us know what, what does a psychiatrist do? Because I know a lot of people confuse psychiatrists with psychologists. Mm-hmm. So let's start by t- explaining exactly what a psychiatrist does. All right. So a psychiatrist is, is a medical doctor that's specialized in mental health illnesses. Um, um, so in terms of what we do in, in, um, in therapy is uh, we use medication and psychotherapy. So what people know as talk therapy as part of a therapy for treating mental illnesses Um, and I think the confusion with a psychologist is that because we use a medication talk therapy uh, there's always that confusion Um, uh, psychologists primarily use uh, talk therapy and psychoanalysis Mm -hmm. and they can do uh, for the testing however because they're not medical doctors they cannot prescribe uh, medication. Okay. And the training, I mean, obviously you do your basic medical degree and then after that you have four more years of formal training just focusing on, on psychiatric disorders. Yes, that's true. Okay. And so schizophrenia is a mental disorder that usually appears in late adolescence or, or early adulthood and it's characterized by delusions, hallucinations and other cognitive difficulties. And um, I know that in South Africa, A lot of us know about depression, a lot of us know about bipolar mood disorder, but I don't think everyone really understands what schizophrenia is. Yeah, that's true. Um, And, you know... uh I suppose you know, in in um, with every medical speciality, there's always those most known illnesses yes. that most people identify with. Um, so depression and anxiety, because I think there's been a lot of drive um, around psychoeducation around that. Uh, but there are other uh, mental health conditions, you know, that are equally perhaps um, schizophrenia is one of the most debilitating ones yes. because it's a chronic and relapsing condition um, associated with a lot of um, morbidity and mortality unfortunately um, so it's one of those big among sort of the big five uh, of, of, of mental illnesses um, or mental health conditions or depression and anxiety, substance use, schizophrenia and sort of many other uh, illnesses um, 
So yeah, I think it, it takes the back banner, but it's probably one of the ones that most people identify with. Every time people think of mental illness, um, especially because, you know, you talked about the delusions, hallucinations, that's mm. what most people associate, especially in society, uh, mental illness to be mm. uh, schizophrenia. I think it's perhaps, perhaps people don't understand it very well. Okay. And I know that um, movies portray mental illness you know, not not always in a good way, and that mm. also feeds into what we understand of of schizophrenia. Yeah, um, unfortunately, you know, uh, I think it's back in the days. You know, every time people think of mental illness, they think of uh, of patients in movies wearing those um, white suits. Mm. Um, you know, in a padded room, in a padded up. room, like locked up, talking to themselves or throwing themselves against the wall, um, and getting. Uh, Therapy with electrocution on the head, you know, mm. you know, it's very stigmatized uh, in that sense. And I suppose that's perhaps the drive to uh, to teach people about it, so that you know, uh, it, there's not there's not the only thing that they do know about uh, schizophrenia, for instance. Okay, so going into the the condition itself, um, mm. what what is schizophrenia? Just yeah, defining it. All right, so it's um, it's a it's a mental health condition where, you know, um, some of the neuro uh, sort of chemicals and neurotransmitters around your brain in certain pathways are not working um, as they should. And because of, uh, of uh, this, um, these pathways not working as they should, you know, the brain starts misinterpreting certain things that are happening in the world. Um, to be real to the patient, mm. however, to everybody in society, it is not the reality. Uh, so the brain now starts misinterpreting, uh, for instance, our five senses, right? Um, your taste, hearing, uh, touch, um, and it it uh, it misinterprets those five senses as something that's happening real. So those are the hallucinations, the auditory hallucinations, um, believing to be hearing people's voices that are not there, uh, seeing things that other people cannot see. Uh, you know, so those are sort of some of the positive symptoms that people associate. And then like delusions, where some of the thought processes um, are not also. Um, working and being processed in the brain as they should. Um, so patients will start having what we call these fixed false beliefs about uh, things that are not real, mm-hmm. you know, conspiracy theories. They believe that people are against them and want to harm them in some way whilst it's untrue. And even if you, uh, you, you know, challenge uh, their thoughts, you know, to them, they, they're so true yes. that they believe them. Although to us, you know, they're very falls and they don't make sense okay yeah and so if you've just joined us you're listening to Cypod Cindy with me Dr. Cindy Sefansel I'm chatting to, doc, to Dr. Gwen Donyan a psychiatrist and this evening we're speaking about schizophrenia um, approximately 1.5 million people are diagnosed with schizophrenia every year and that is why we're having this discussion about a mental illness that is that is poorly um, understood and Dr. Gwen has just been has just given us the definition of what schizophrenia is and some of the symptoms. So, Dr. Gwen, what are the causes of schizophrenia? Right. So, schizophrenia is a very complex illness in that you know there is um, what we call uh, uh, 
a mixture of genetics and the environment, you know, what your biology, what nature is and what nurture is, which is what the environment, uh, the environmental risk factors. So it's a highly inheritable disease, meaning mm. that it's passed on um, from from family members to one generation to another. And this is more in uh, what we call first degree relatives, so mom, dad, uh, siblings and twins, that there is a high risk. Um, And, you know, by saying that, it doesn't mean that when you have the risk of the genes, it means you will get the illness. It just means that you are um, at a higher risk of getting the illness much later on that the gene may be passed on. Um, And then there are environmental risk factors, Mm -hmm. all right? And when you talk about environmental risk factors, these are now like the odds ratio, the odds of getting the illness. Um, So, you know, when we're born, we're born with some odds, uh, you know, would you be an introvert? Will you be an extrovert? You know, those type of things. So uh, there's certain things that are sort of in society that are sort of against us. Right? Some have been proven scientifically. Some, I suppose, are still myths. Mm. Um, for instance, um, like the seasons that we were born in, you know, um, people that are affected by schizophrenia um, have seen especially in the southern hemispheres to be born in the winter months okay um and in the spring months um but it doesn't mean that everybody now that's born all the winter winter babies (laughs) you know will get the illness um you know living in urban areas uh, versus rural areas you know um and then, you know, every time we, we think about illnesses, we look at them on a spectrum as evolving. Mm-hmm. So we always think, okay, what are these risk factors or, or the causes before you were born? So those would be the genes, you know, we don't choose our genes. Yeah, we'll get, what, what you get is what you get. It was what you get. And then, then we think about, okay, what other things could have happened? And we start looking at mom, because you know, it's a vulnerable state in pregnancy. Um, so uh, th- things like if uh, mom has prenatal stress, depression, if they lose a loved one or they're bereaved, uh, if they have any illnesses during pregnancy, if they're using any substances, already those vulnerabilities put your brain uh, to be more vulnerable to getting mm. illnesses. And this all illnesses, this is medical illnesses, psychiatric mm. illnesses, epilepsy, it's almost all the illnesses. Then we start thinking, okay, what could have happened at birth that could have made this brain vulnerable? Mm. You know, was there any um, any loss of oxygen to the baby's brain? You know, like a difficult birth, uh, preterm labor, you know. So those are the things that we start looking at when you start thinking about the causes and the risks. And then we start thinking, oh, you know, when a baby's born, that first... Um, years of life they're quite vulnerable you know to illnesses especially the first thousand days yeah you know so i mean um uh, because we're scientists we started thinking you know what why is it people that are born uh, during these winter months are more prone to getting Mm. mental illnesses later on in life and because we're scientists like no but you know people are getting ill during that time you know um and then we started thinking about you know uh, mental illness as an immunological disorder you know are there certain viruses that are predisposing people to getting illnesses you know like the influenza virus um cytomegalovirus rubella all of those you know and uh, 
I think that's the reason during prenatal screening, when you go see your gyne or you go to the antenatal clinic, that's the reason the nurses and the doctors do those tests. Um, it's because, you know, once mom is ill, those can affect the, um, the baby. Affect the baby. And the other things like, um, you know, um, like RH um, compatibility, resus oh, factors, factors, factors yeah. you know. So those kind of things, that's what we start looking at. And then now when the baby's now born, you know, they start living, you know, they uh, start being independent um, from from mom, dad, you know, how does that contribute? How does the family contribute uh, to mental illnesses? So things like childhood trauma, mm. uh, physical, emotional trauma, sexual trauma, those are the things that can sort of predispose you later on. Uh, the loss of a parent, you know, especially before the age of, they say, 12 years, can also put you, it, it just increases your odds later on, you know, to getting other illnesses. Um, so, those, so, so those are the sort of things that, that we sort of look at sort of early on. And then like later on in life, then we start thinking about, okay, what are the things that we're doing recreationally, like substances, mm. you know? Um, and um, like big studies have come out to show the link between substances, especially uh, cannabis and your stimulants. So when you talk about stimulants, we talk about the upper drugs, what most most people refer as the rave drugs, mm. ecstasy, cocaine, LSD. Um, LSD the you know hallucinogenics so those are sort of the substances that have been highly linked to um, having a psychotic illness later on in life and have been like some um, um, some links uh, to schizophrenia and psychotic illnesses. Okay, well, yeah. that's a wonderful explanation, Dr. Yeah. Gwentonyane. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Sidebar Cindy with me, Dr. Cindy Suefansel. And this evening, we're speaking about schizophrenia. I'm asking you, are you living with schizophrenia? Is there someone in your family that's living with schizophrenia? We're taking your calls on 086 00959 and you can SMS us on 36959. The hashtags on social media, Sidebar Cindy and KFM Talk. And Dr. Gwen has just broken down the predisposing factors to schizophrenia. So it is an inheritable disease so first degree relative whether it's a mom or a dad or a sibling that has it puts you at a risk of 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 of, of um you know um, having schizophrenia and the impact it has on family relationships I, I mean you mentioned earlier on that it's one of the most debilitating mental disorders hmm. unfortunately it is and usually you know uh, mental illnesses don't just affect the individual you know the individual exists um within um within society where they have intimate partners you know uh, then you exist in a family then mm. you exist in a community you know so the impact just doesn't stop with uh, with the patient themselves but the family and you know and obviously you know when somebody does not um for instance, with the positive symptoms, you know, with the delusions, it's usually against uh, the people that do care for them. Yeah. You know, um, they start believing that their own families, their own loved ones are the ones that want to harm them. Um, and because uh, to them, this is the truth, you mm. know, it, it's, 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 it's real to them. They act um, 
according to those delusions, for instance. Uh, so uh, let me make an example. Maybe with an intimate partner, they may believe that the partner is unfaithful to them, you know, and then um, they will act according to those delusions, you know, um, go through the social media, tap their phones, you know, but to them, because, you know, it is the truth, even if their partner does show them that evidence against against that. it, mm. you know, um, and obviously that will put strain in the relationship, mm. you know, and that can have, uh, for instance, when they believe that their families and their relatives are out to harm them or they want to bewitch them, um, then they can act and then, you know, that can strain the relationships. Um, and because uh, of uh, how they act, sometimes, you know, the functionality goes down. So they don't fulfill the responsibility, you know, uh, to the partner, for, for instance, or to the family by uh, parenting roles and fulfilling those. The functionality starts going down. So the family gets affected that way. And sometimes it can also be very unsafe for the family because, um, when they do believe these things they can sometimes the mood can change yeah. where they can get very irritable and then become aggressive and harm the family or damage property and sometimes even harm themselves so it can strain the family in in, in, in that way um, but however like family is also in a sense, uh, a good collateral for us, so they can they can give us a picture, a full of, of picture of what's been happening. What's been happening? Because often when the patients then present to us, um, they're quite ill and have lost touch with reality. That you know, sometimes they can't give a good account of what's been going what's, on. What's been going on, and then the family, you know, become useful in that way, and they can support um, the 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 patient through therapy um, and hospital admissions or uh, and, and so their journey. Journey, you know, with with the illness. Okay, so we'll get into the patient's journey um, of schizophrenia a bit later on in the show. But we're taking calls on 0860000959. We have Ularato calling us. Good evening, Ularato, and welcome to Sidebar, Cindy. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Fine, thanks. I'm wondering if, let's say, you are pregnant, and then during the pregnancy, like at like five months pregnant, and then you realize that your partner has been cheating, and then you self harm, you drink pills, you. And then, because after the um, after the twenty week thing, you can't terminate. You're forced to continue with the pregnancy, but you're not okay emotionally and mentally. What happens to the child? Like, it, like does that affect the child during the pregnancy and after? Or does that not affect them at all? All right. Uh, thanks for the question. Um, you know what. Uh what often uh, the doctors will tell you, even the, the nurses, like whatever mom takes, the baby takes. So unfortunately, some of these um, illicit substances or, um, you know, um, uh, can pass on to the baby and make the baby's brain vulnerable. Um, and uh, like we discussed earlier, there is a link that, you know, if mom has stress in, in, in the pregnancy, that can sort of put the baby in a vulnerable position by the time they're born and that increases the risk of mental illness later on in life and that's all spectrums of mental illness from depression to anxiety including uh, schizophrenia and other illnesses okay thank you so much for that um explanation dr gwen thanks lerato
Thank you. Kaya FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. You're listening to Sidebot Cindy with me, Dr. Cindy Suefansel. I'm joined in studio by Dr. Gwen Donyane, a psychiatrist, and we're talking about schizophrenia. But before we take more of your calls, let's take a listen to this um, TED Talk clip from Cecilia Magal. It's been thought of that I've had schizophrenia all of my life. February of 2014, my life changed when I tried to take my own life through suicide because my life had become a waking nightmare. At this time, I started hallucinating. I started seeing, hearing, and feeling things that weren't there. Everywhere that I went, I was followed around by a clown that looked very similar to the Stephen King's adaptation of It. Everywhere that I went, he'll be giggling, taunting me, poking me, and sometimes even biting me. I ever have difficulty discerning whether it's a hallucination or real life. I know that it's a chemical imbalance inside of my head. I don't give these hallucinations even names. Let's talk about it. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Kaya FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. That is the voice of Cecilia Magal. She's an astronomer and activist um, who's living with schizophrenia and she's just explaining what she went through. Um, what do you think of her clip, um, Dr. Gwyn? Uh, I was listening to it and I was thinking, you know, um, I'm just wondering how scary it was for her, you know, to to be experiencing these things and not in, in society and this happening, uh, you know, um, during, you know, um, social settings and you are unsure if, if, if it's real, if it's, and it's scary and what do you do, you know? And, um, and you can imagine, like she said, she believed that there was a clan following her. To her, it's real. And then, you know, in social settings, how paranoid was she, uh, was she how hypervigilant she was, and then how people were perceiving her during all that time, while she's still having this internal struggle in, in her mind. And, you know, and then what people are seeing and how scary it was for her and how scary it was probably for other for people to, to, to see her like that. Um, and, and, and I think that's, um, perhaps what uh, schizophrenia does. It's a, it's a very scary illness, uh, to the patient themselves because sometimes they don't understand why what's, what's, happening. what's happening and why is it happening to me. And, you know, and often they go to, to the family or their friends to confirm. You know, uh, are these uh, things that I'm hearing and seeing? Is it only me? You know, mm. are you also uh, hearing it? You know, that that sense of of belonging or wanting normality, um, and and sometimes because it's scary, then people shy away from them from them to leave them to to their own device and becomes a very isolating illness, um, and. And hence, like schizophrenia, at the beginning, you know, what we call the prodromal stage, it can present a lot like other illnesses, especially depression and anxiety, you know, because when they're going through this, the mood changes, they withdraw from society, they become socially withdrawn, they can become very socially anxious, uh, very anxious in social settings. Um, and and because of that, the mood goes down. Um, and then the drive for wanting to live, to be in society, 
anxiety also goes down. The drive to want to take care of themselves also goes down. So that's when, you know, the, the illness starts evolving into more than negative, what we call the negative symptoms, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, then um, they become very emotionless. They can very, look very aloof, uh, very disinterested. Um, you know, even their facial reactions in social settings, um, you know, they look very flat and very cold and very disinterested. Um, and this probably makes for a difficult diagnosis. Yeah, it makes for a, a very difficult diagnosis. And I think, and that's why during that time, they're quite vulnerable then to using substances because, you know, they're trying to self-medicate, trying to cope with what's trying happening. Trying to silence the voices in the uh, Silence the, and, you know, unfortunately not knowing that the worsening of um, the the symptoms or bringing on the illness much quicker and making it much, much more worse and uh, almost, you know, the trajectory of their illness all moves towards, you know, uh, towards like a poor prognosis where they don't do very well and that's where the 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 morbidity comes, uh, comes, comes in because then they lose a lot of years um to um you know to disability mm. you know so yeah oh thanks for that dr Gwen donyane so we have susan calling us from rudeport um good evening susan and welcome <laughs> to sidebar cindy Good evening, Cindy. I have, I'm going through the same thing with my husband. Um, my husband just started changing condition more than a year ago, two years ago. He just started, the same thing happened. He just started seeing people following him, people with sunglasses, and, and started saying a whole lot of crazy things. And eventually he ended up uh, in Moria where he was there for six weeks. And then he came back, he was fine. He was fine now for a whole year now. He, he just started now recently. Um, his sister was sick in hospital. I was called to pick her up. He came back, he found her in the house and he started behaving weird. And he started being uh, uh, violent. You know, he, he chased me out of the house. And now I'm getting calls from his friends saying that he's behaving weird. He says he can't sleep in the house because he's fighting evil spirits the whole night. He's sleeping in a car. I don't know how to help him because I do realize that he could be having some form of mental illness purely because it's the second time that it's happening. And he's hallucinating and he's seeing things and, and I'm now the bad one now. You know, I don't know how to help him. I feel sad because I feel it's my role as his wife to help him. But I just don't know because he doesn't believe in medication. In his family, there is someone with a mental illness. He's his uh, older brother. I'm just stuck. I don't know what are my rights. What can I do to help him? And I'm also scared at the same time because someone said to me, you know, if he should do something to you and hurt you, he's going to come scot-free because of the mental illness that is not diagnosed, but clearly it, it, it looks like because it's the second time that it's happening. And he's isolating. He switched his phone off for the last three weeks. He doesn't answer phone calls. Everybody's phoning me. People are telling me how he behaves. And it's difficult. I don't know what to do. Okay. And and I'm willing to give him the support, but I just don't know. I'm scared because of the way he chased me out. What can I do? Okay, Susan, I'll ask Dr. Gwen Donyane to respond to that. All right, Susan, um, you know, um, I know it's a very difficult time for you. And, uh, and I think that's the double bind that the families find themselves in, you know, where you want to help the person, but they're rejecting the help. And then you're also scared that they might harm you in, in some way. Um, 
you know, um, the 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 um, the country war what we sort of advocated for, you know, with the Mental Health Care Act is that you know when our patients, uh, uh, you know, affected by the mental illness like in schizophrenia, for instance, um, the we, we need to protect them against themselves sometimes you know and sometimes that involves uh, getting them um, admitted to a hospital uh, involuntarily uh, without their consent because it's it's in the best benefit okay. um, you know it's in the benefit of his health and um, the health um, perhaps or, or the safety of his family and the community um, so um, I think my uh, my advice would be if um, to uh, to go to the nearest clinic, uh, nearest hospital, and um, uh, or perhaps call emergency services and see if they can assist. If he becomes very violent, then we he she can uh, she has um, an option to call the South African Police Service to uh, to assist her uh, to get uh, the partner into the hospital. Okay, so Susan, he'll have to be admitted involuntarily and there are processes that you can follow to make sure that that happens. So the sooner it happens, the better for him and the better for you. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. So yeah, that is that is that is one of the more serious cases, mm. and and I think it's it's I'm glad you mentioned the Mental Health Act and how, um, you know, there is provision for involuntary admission. Yes, um, you know, I mean, first price, you know, in in medicine is always the patient uh, going to look for help themselves. Themselves, yes. you know, uh, when you start recognizing that I'm not well, then to take that initiative to go see, um, you know, healthcare worker, uh, so they. Um, the, they can assess you and then uh, send you for further treatment if you need specialized care, okay. you know. But in the event that sometimes, you know, uh, um, like in Susan's case, where there is no awareness, where the patient is uh, um, does not see the severity of the illness and the impact that it has to them uh, first and uh, in society and their family, then we can, you know, help and assist them in getting the help that they need. Okay. So taking more calls on 86 we have Jacob on the road. Um, good evening, Jacob. Welcome to Sidebar, Cindy. Good evening, Cindy. Um, I just have a question. I just wanted to know when is it paranoia or when is it uh, schizophrenia? Um, I have a girlfriend who's always suspecting that... Um, I'm up to cheating. She's never found anything. But now I'm a bit shocked by the symptoms that the doctor there mentions, like uh, always checking on the phone, tapping the phone, um, changing moods, like we can we can uh, be together today, tomorrow. She's out of mood. And she doesn't forget anything that she considers an, as an offense. And in, at first I wanted to leave, but something tells me that there's something wrong there. So I just wanted to find out where do you draw the line that it's just, you know, paranoia or um, over obsessiveness or schizophrenia? And how do I suggest help for, for such a person who seemingly does not think that she might have a problem? Okay, Dr. Gwen. All right, okay. So, you know, um, I think that's the beauty about um, perhaps mental health, that everything happens in a spectrum from what normal is uh, to what perhaps may look abnormal, right? Um, So when this paranoia can be shifted, 
you know, when uh, evidence is is presented against it, and this paranoia can be shifted where the pace, uh, the the person can accept, okay, that might be real, that might not be real. If they can do that, what we call reality testing, and it's not, uh, it can shift then it's not a delusion. So a delusion will be something that is fixed, even against evidence, even against uh, the person's better judgment, even um, against uh, perhaps the IQ and the EQ, they still believe that. Uh, so that would uh, would be the difference. Um, and this would be something that is sustained, you know, over or, um, over months. Uh, and when we talk about schizophrenia, then we're talking about uh, this being sustained for a period of over six months mm-hmm. where they have these delusions. And these delusions are now impacting on their functioning. You know, they're now preoccupied with these delusions that the behavior is directed towards these delusions, that they now can't meet the other responsibilities, work, personal hygiene, their relationships. Then that's when uh, we start making it a, a disorder. Okay, so I hope that helps you, um, Jacob. Oh, thank you. Thank okay. You. We have Maureen calling us from Joburg. Um, hi, Maureen. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Cindy. Um, you know what? Because we've got someone, my brother, who's living with schizophrenia. And it's been a while, a couple of years now. But the thing is, it's been a struggle because most of us didn't understand the condition that we're in. So, you know, with the community as well, because we did, like, get violence at the time. So, most people didn't understand what was happening with him. So, it's not like, okay, there was a certain point where the community wanted to beat him up because, like, he would say people. And because he was having, most of the time he was having a hallucination, he was hallucinating, saying people that were reaching him, people are talking about him. So it's been that kind of a struggle as well. So for the family, it's not, it's, it has never been easy. Okay. We're still trying to adjust. I just, it's not easy. It's really tough because it's a condition. It's a long-time thing. It's not going like, like, to get fine now, but with medication, it helps. But the problem with him, he doesn't want to take medication. That's our biggest challenge at the moment with him. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for yeah. sharing that with us, mm-hmm. Maureen. I'll ask you, Dr. Gwendolyn, to respond to that. But thank you for calling and sharing that with us. Okay. Thank you, Dr. All right. No, thanks for 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 sharing that. Um, and you know, I think this is not uh, perhaps something exclusive only to people with mental illness. I think it's all patients. You know, having to take medication every single day of your life. You know, um, to keep and, and not you just well. one tablet. I mean, I think mm. with with, with um, schizophrenia, it's it's polypharmacy yes, as poly- well. Yeah. You know, um, that you know, uh, it becomes tiring. You know, sometimes. Uh, you know, uh, the patients struggle with side effects, for instance, or sometimes they struggle to remember to take the medication. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, it's a uh, hence, I suppose, you know, um, we ask patients to follow up regularly with, uh, with their doctors or to the clinic so that, you know, we can sort of... Um, help them with that journey, remind them the importance of taking the medication because then if they don't take it, then they relapse and the condition is usually much worse off and needs more interventions, more medication and and makes you prone to more, to other medical conditions that the patient didn't have at the beginning. So, you know, and I think that's where family support becomes uh, very important, you know, where they can help uh, remind the patient, um, you know, help 
help uh, coming with them to the clinics for their appointments. So those sort of things sort of make them, okay, I don't want to really take it, but I'll take it. You because know, it helps me. It helps feel me better. feel better. Okay. Yeah. Oh eight six double zero double zero nine five nine. We have Tendega calling us from Midrand. Hello, Dr. Cindy. Hi, Tendega. Hi, um, Joe, I've got so much to say. I hope I'm able to structure my thoughts properly. So um, I have, we have a sister, and I'm not sure whether she has schizophrenia or not because the only symptoms she's presented are this false sense of reality and the belief that family members are out to get her and uh, um, misinterpreting events that we would have all been part of. And so it's been a struggle, especially now that she's an adult over the past few years, trying to manage the situation. So um, she's even been hospitalized. We had an intervention where we uh, referred her to a place in Pedermaritzburg and she was treated there but was not diagnosed with schizophrenia. And I think part of the reason is also the information that she presented to both the psychiatrist and the psychologist, which may have been inaccurate. Oh, sorry, not inaccurate, but may have been her reflection of reality that wasn't quite um, a reflection of the truth. And so at the moment, what we're dealing with is um, accusations that there's favoritism, that um, she's actually not come to a very big birthday party of mine and she's going to miss my sister's wedding in October because she feels isolated. And mm. it, it, all our efforts to support her are actually just... Um, we've realized that unless you admit that you've done her wrong, she doesn't take uh, responsibility for any of her wrongdoings and her actions. And unless a conversation ends with all of us apologizing for making her feel that way, there's no resolution. So um, I think I'll stop there. But basically, we are dealing with um, what I feel like is a case of some form of narcissism and gaslighting but i don't want to because i'm not a trained professional to um to 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 uh label the condition but and we're hoping that we can find help because we do want to uh be a unified family that supports each other mm. but it's very difficult because of um the accusations um, i'm just going to give you one more example um she um, left her children unattended and one of my sisters called her saying come back and then uh, sent her a message that you do not um, um, take care of your kids and she she's made up a whole story about how um, he, she pushed her around mm. she's um, p- questioning her parenting etc Okay, thank you, Tandega, for sharing that with us. And this evening, I'm chatting to Dr. Gwen Donyane, a psychiatrist. And we've been talking about schizophrenia. So just before the break, we took a call from Tandega from Midrand. And she was telling us about her sister and all the problems they're having with her. So I think, Dr. Gwen, uh, Tandega's sister will obviously have to be seen. And the patient journey, getting someone into treatment, what does that entail? Um, so, yeah, I know I do agree that um, perhaps they should have the sister assist. Um you know, they can only start, um, you know, uh, you know, at, at, I think to be politically correct, you know, if you do have the the funds like medical aid, uh, you know, the best bet will be perhaps start with a GP and then they can uh, refer you to a specialist. Uh, um, but we know in the economy that we live in, not everybody is privileged enough to have medical aid. So you, uh, I think we're privileged in Gauteng that our local um, community health centers 
do offer services for for mental health. So they could start there and the clinics could refer them um, uh, to the hospitals. Um, And then, you know, that's where it could start. Um, And I think often people wait until people are quite ill that, you know, they usually bypass, you know, the referral systems and then go uh, straight to tertiary hospitals or teaching hospitals. yeah, but uh, I mean, we do have the, that service in in the country that people can access uh, the hospital and clinics to get help for for mental ill patients. Okay, so hopefully Tandy will get a sister into care. Mm. We're going to take one more call and then play um, a, a clip, another clip from Cecilia Magal from her TED Talk. We have Moketi on the line calling us from Farina Hing. Good evening, Moketi. Welcome to Cyborg Cindy. Hello, doctors. How are you? Good, thank good, you. Good, thank you. I'm good. Uh, just two things, if I may. The first thought, Doc, um, can you please just um, explain to people whether the movie A Beautiful Mind, is it a true and accurate depiction of schizophrenia or not? Um, I remember it came out while I was in high school, and a lot of the guys would say, oh, this schizophrenia is all about is not so bad. So if you can just address that. And secondly, having been involved with the mental health unit before, one of the things that I saw is that a lot of the kids who came in had drug-induced psychosis in Dacha, but quite a number of them ended up going on to develop schizophrenia. So am I correct in saying that um, um, Dacha in particular can unmask hidden schizophrenia and bring it out in somebody who was previously completely asymptomatic? All right. Um, th- thanks for the question. Um, a Beautiful Mind was a beautiful story. Um, and I think what they're trying to depict in, in, in the movie was that, um, you know, at the end, how real that movie was to to us, it was actually somebody else's reality and it was all false. And I think that's what they're trying to highlight in, in that movie. And you are um, sort of correct in your observation that um, sometimes, like, like we said earlier on in the show, um, that, you know, some people are born with... Um, with some of the genes that predispose you to getting the illness and then using the substances sort of bring on the illness much earlier and worsen it off. Uh, another observation is that, you know, um, in our studies uh, have shown that using uh, cannabis um, especially early on in adolescence, so we're talking uh, before the age of 15, you know, has been associated to having a first episode of a psychotic illness by the age of 25. So how much you use and how early you start using it, that can uh, present later on as schizophrenia. Um, So that risk is there and there's been a lot of research uh, around that. Oh, thank you very much for that. Okay, thanks Thank for the you. call, Doc. Okay, so we have a few more minutes of the show left and um, before I run the competition. So please don't forget to call two dads. must call in around 5-2 and we'll be running the Grow Great competition where you can win yourself a 3,000 rand baby city voucher. And the aim of the Grow Great campaign is to ensure that we achieve zero stunting by 2030 because stunting affects kids adversely and we want to make sure that kids, um, you know, have the best start. Starting from birth straight through to the third year, those first thousand years, thousand years, thousand days are very important. So this was um, a very fantastic show, Dr. Gwen Donyani. I think um, you really managed to break down um, schizophrenia for us. Um, and and before, before we end the show, I'd just like to know, what is the treatment that's available for schizophrenia? I think it's important for listeners to know what treatment is available and, and, and what needs to be done for, for, for patients that are diagnosed with schizophrenia. All right. Um, so when, when you talk about treatment, uh, we're talking about management uh, of a patient 
you know, holistically, looking at the biology, um, you know, looking at what's happening psychosocially for them, spiritually, culturally, you know, we try to encompass all of that. So it's a mixture of medication, all right, uh, to be on the right treatment and also uh, psychosocial support, you know, psychotherapy in terms of psychoeducation, um, you know, supporting the family, uh, making uh, the patient a productive member of society. So if we need, um, you know, to uh, to help them with occupational balance, you know, we have OT for that. So it is sort of a, um, um, a team effort to keep the patient uh, uh, patient well. Okay. And um, if, if a family, if someone is listening and they're worried about their family member, just what are the steps to getting their family member into care, especially if the family member is uncooperative? All right. Just to remind, you know, to remind even about the Mental Health Act and what mm. it accommodates. All right. So what the Mental Health Care accommodates is uh, for all um, levels of, of patients. So meaning the patient that accepts that they have a condition and they want to access help and they're agreeable to the help. And then there's a patient that's sort of on the fence, is unsure if this is necessary for them or not, where the, uh, the family then sort of um, can admit, uh, they can take them to the hospital as an assisted uh, mental health care user where it means that the patient, even if um, um, they want to sign themselves out of therapy, or the hospital for treatment, they cannot unless the family member agrees and thinks they're well. And then there's the involuntary one where they obviously don't have the awareness and see the seriousness of of them being ill and the danger that they pose to themselves and other people or being vulnerable to being taken advantage by other people that then they need that assistance uh, to be admitted. So first prize is the uh, patient agrees. then the next of kin, and if they can't, then um, you know we have the police service to assist us, emergency services to assist us to get the patients into the hospital. And it's also important for people to know that. So the decision to to admit someone involuntarily, one doctor alone can't make that decision. So it's two, two doctors, yes, it, and one of them has to be a psychiatrist. And this yes. is, and this, I think this is a safety net to make sure that people don't just take people to hospital and demand that they get they get admitted. Mm. And the family, in terms of family support. Um, you know, if someone, if a family is living with someone with schizophrenia, mm. um, what kind of support should they be giving? Should, should they be giving the, the 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 person that's living with schizophrenia? All right. Um, I think the the uh, the first. I think being part of the management with the doctor and the patient is the first thing because then you can discuss you know what will be applicable because every patient is different and their needs are very different Um, so it'll be a discussion between the doctor the patient and the family Um, and I think if people you know want more information they can go to www.schizophrenia24by7.co.za and they can read up uh, you know testimonials about families about some of the patients affected and living with schizophrenia how they've coped and perhaps that they that can give they can allay their fears uh, you know about how to support um, the the loved ones. Great stuff. It's been such a pleasure having you in studio, Dr. Gwen Donyane. I shall definitely have you back um, <laughs> um, on, on, on Sidebar Cindy. But thank you so much for being here and I really enjoyed chatting to you. Thank you for having me. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.